Welcome to the IC Made On podcast. We are so glad that you have chosen to listen online. If you would like to know more about who we are, why we exist, our service times and location, or how you can get involved, then check out our website at icmadeon.com. We hope you enjoy the message today. All right. Wow. Salamat sore. How are you guys? Yeah. Sore feels better than afternoon when it's like 4 to 4.30. It's weird in English. Like, it's afternoon, of course. It's way afternoon. Sore really fits better, right? So, anyway, man, I'm excited about the message today. I'm excited to see all of you guys and happy that you joined us. If this is your first time and you are a VIP, like Gary mentioned, that means you are a very important person to us. And we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us this afternoon and If you are a first-time guest, you don't know me, so let me introduce myself. My name is Chris, and I'm the lead pastor here. And you have joined in on week four of a series that we've been going through called Running with Giants. How many of you that have been here have liked this series so far? You feel encouraged? Feel like you're running harder and faster? We did this series last year. We looked at some different heroes of the faith, different giants of the faith, And what we do in this series is it's all based or anchored on Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And let me read this. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So when I look at this verse, one reason I get excited about this, even the video Man, the video gets me so pumped up. I mean, I, when I just watch the video and I see the characters, and the more you read your Bible and the more you're here for the, the Running with the Giant series, you start to recognize people like, hey, that's Jacob. He's wrestling with the angel of God. Or, hey, that's Jonah like Pastor Adam talked about last week. You probably saw him since I was fresh on our mind. The big fish was there, right? You know, I see those guys, and I just get excited because... I see Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, as a challenge for us. You know, as we've mentioned before, it talks about, it's following Hebrews chapter 11, which is the hall of fame of the faith or the heroes of the faith. And the author shares about these men and women of God who did great things because of their faith. The chapter says that it was because of their faith, because of their confidence in God, that they were commended or they were praised or they were honored for, basically saying that everything they did was because of their faith. They lived by faith. They were able to face extreme uh, obstacles and difficult situations and overcome them because of their faith. They did all of these amazing things. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, because these guys could do it, let's do it too. That's basically the challenge. Hey, because they ran their race, because there's these giants of the faith, these heroes of the faith that lived by faith and walked by faith and did amazing things for God, let's do the same thing. He said, let's run our race with perseverance. Let's get rid of anything that hinders us or gets in the way. Let's get rid of sin in our life that limits us. And let's run this race. I see it as as this challenge. And in this series... What we're doing each week is letting one of the giants of the faith speak to us. You know, it talks about in verse uh, 
verse 1 of chapter 12, this great cloud of witnesses. But what we want to hear is each week, what would one of them say if they came down and shared with us, here's how I ran my race. Here's how I did amazing things for God. And when, when we look back to Hebrews chapter 11, it even says this of those guys. In verse 38, it says that the world was not worthy of them. Think about that for a moment. Men and women, just like all of us, just like you, nothing different about them. But they lived their lives in a way that at the end of their life, people said the world was not worthy of them. And that's amazing. We can live that way. We can live by faith in such a way that we bring glory to God, we bless the people around us, and that at the end of our lives, people will say the world was not worthy of them. I believe we can do that. How many of you want to do it? Can you turn to your neighbor and say, if they could do it, you can do it too? And turn to your other neighbor and say, you really need this. This is going to be really good today. We're looking at the giant of the faith named Deborah. How many of you know Deborah? She's one of the judges in the book of Judges. And it was interesting. Carrie told me yesterday, she was like, hey, this is great. We're hearing from a, a woman hero of the faith. And Thursday was International Women's Day. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's exactly why I planned that. No, I didn't know, I didn't know it was International Women's Day because in my house, I believe that every day is International Women's Day. Right? That's... I, I said that at 11.30, and I looked, and Carrie wasn't here. I'm thinking, I got no points for that. So now I said it. But it is, it is perfect timing. God knew it was Women's Day on Thursday, and he's the one that led me to talk about Deborah. So it all lines up. How many of you like to go hiking or, or walk on paths or trails out into the mountains? Or, you know, maybe you've been to Sinabung and hiked or something. When I was a kid, I loved to go to the Great Smoky Mountains. My family's from Alabama. The Great Smoky Mountains, at least the part I went to was in Tennessee. Even Carrie and I, after we were married, we loved to go to this area called Gatlinburg in Tennessee. We would go there. Dolly Parton, the country singer, has an amusement park there called Dollywood. But we would go into the, the woods or the forest, and we could rent a log cabin and stay there for a few days. So... It just felt very rustic and peaceful, getting out by yourself. You can see black bear and deer. Every once in a while, smell a skunk. That's not very beautiful, but just beautiful, cold weather. It just felt so nice. I like the cold. Even here, I love going to mountain areas like Tarutung. It's cold in Tarutung. I, I enjoy it. It's beautiful until it's time to mandi. And then it is ice cold. We always go there, me and uh, I, I've been there several times with my friend, Pastor John from ICA Surabaya. And this hotel we stayed at, when we would take turns going into the Mondi, we had to really build ourselves up. It's like ice water. Put the soap on, dip the gayung, and we did, we, you could hear each other, glory, glory, and Pastor John would talk to me about Hotel Glory. I thought he was just joking. And then last time I was there, I looked at the sign, and it really is Hotel Glory. That's the name. <laughs> I thought he called it that because we shouted glory in the Monday. It was like ice, but so beautiful, and I love being cold. As a kid, we would go to the mountains. 
the Great Smoky Mountains, and I love going and hiking and walking on the paths out in the, in the mountain. And I remember this one time, I'm walking on the path with my family. I was about seven or eight years old, and I stepped off of the path and walked away from it, which seven or eight-year-olds do that, right? Even as adults, often in our lives, we walk away from the path. But at this time, I step off the path, and everything still looks green. It looks okay. It still looks like grass. I take a few steps, and then one more step, and my leg drops through. It wasn't grass anymore. It was the top of the trees growing from way down the mountain that had come all the way up. And my dad quickly grabbed my arm and pulled me back and rescued me. I learned two things. Stay on the path. And dads have really quick reflexes. How many of you know that? Sometimes dads, we may look like we're just taking it easy and we're slow and maybe lounging with the TV remote. But if anything is needed, we're quick. The reflexes are like that forever. Your dad may be 80 years old. If you, if you fall, he can catch you. Dads have quick reflexes. What we're looking at today is a time when God's people, Israel, got off the path they were supposed to be on. And if you've read the Old Testament, you see that they are on the path and off the path and on the path. They really struggled following God. The plan for them was they were supposed to show the world the right path to God, but they, they often failed with this. We read this in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, which is basically the great commission of the Old Testament. It's when God was speaking to Abram, and he says, go forth. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. That was God's plan. They struggled with that. They would be on the path, and then they would wander off, and we would, we'd read in Scripture, it says, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. In the end... They have been able to bless all the families of the earth because Jesus came through them. It has nothing to do with any government or systems or presidents there. It has to do with the fact that Jesus came through. God made this plan and brought Jesus through Israel. But they kept getting lost from the path, and God had to use two different types of people to get them back on the path, the prophets and the judges. And the giant of the faith that we'll look at today was both. Deborah was both a, a, a prophet and a judge. Let's look at this. I have some bio about Deborah. She was a prophet, so she spent time with God, and God spoke to Deborah, and then she told the people what God said. So God was literally speaking through her. She was also a judge, and a judge in those days, it wasn't what we imagine if we watch you know, court TV, or Carrie and I like to watch the crime channel sometimes. It's not that kind of judge sitting there, and there's the, the, the defendant and the accuser and all this. The judge was more like a leader. They didn't have a king. So there were judges that God raised up to lead Israel. So the judges were just leaders before they had a king. Eventually, they, they decided, hey, we want a king like everyone else, which was a bad move. And they, they wanted this guy, and God said, okay, have him. He wasn't a good king. But they were doing fine when they had the judges. When a judge was living, they were on the path. When they didn't have a judge, they fell off the path. They needed this. Deborah is the only female judge mentioned in the Bible, which is pretty cool. 
especially considering this was around 1204 to 1144 BC. So in the culture of that time, and in that time period, imagine the 12th century BC, here's a woman that God raised up to lead. That's very unexpected. A woman leading in the 12th century BC. Gideon was a judge during Deborah's time. Uh-oh. What is that? I hear three of myself. Um, Gideon was a judge during that time. And if you know Gideon, there were two really well-known judges that we know of, Gideon and Samson. And so Gideon was at the same time as Deborah, just at a different, a different location, still leading the people. Gideon started about 13 years after Deborah. And then I added this last part to the bio just because of Pastor Adam's message last week. Remember, he was saying some of the names, the meanings were animals. Like last week, he shared about Jonah, which meant dove. So I looked this week, I was really surprised that Deborah means bee, like a honeybee. So that, I thought that was interesting. We'll get back to that later. But I believe if Deborah had one thing to tell us, one thing that would help us run our race, it would be that with God, you can expect the unexpected. With God, you can expect the unexpected. And I believe probably many of you in this room have seen that. Maybe you've, you've been facing something and you didn't know how you were going to overcome it, but God did the unexpected. Sometimes we face situations that it seems there's no hope, but then God does the unexpected. God specializes in that. He specializes in the unexpected and the extraordinary and the supernatural. And even as I said, just the fact that God raised up a woman to lead in this time period is highly unexpected. So here's the story with Deborah. God's people had gone off the path. The Bible says they did evil in the sight of the Lord. They began to follow other gods and, and worship idols. And at this time, the Canaanites were led by King Jabin, and they oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. They, they, did, uh, 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 they were striking fear into their hearts. Life, as the Israelites knew it, stopped. They, they didn't live, like if you went on the streets of Maidan right now, and people are just living freely, and if maybe people right now might be going to restaurants or going to the, the market or going to visit friends. At this time in Israel, all of that had stopped. Village life, as they knew it, had, had ceased, and Deborah was crying out to God for deliverance, for salvation, and for rescue, and God was about to raise up a hero. In Judges chapter 5, Verses 6 through 7, Deborah is saying this. She says, In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned. So she said the roads were, were abandoned. No one was traveling. No one was, was out just jalan jalan. All of the, it was abandoned. It was like a ghost town. Things are not good. Travelers took to winding paths. They were afraid to go down the main roads because the, the Canaanites would bother them or, or attack them or rob them. So it says they were taking the winding paths. They were taking the Jalantikus, you know, go around this way or around that way. I can't go down the main road. Villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose. Until I arose, a mother in Israel. All the mothers in here should shout. That's pretty exciting if you're a mom. You know, nothing changed. 
Nothing got better until I, Deborah, arose. I arose, a mother in Israel. Basically, she's saying nothing happened until mom got up. How many of you, sometimes your house is like that? It's like that at home. Nothing really happens until mom gets up. Everyone's sitting around wondering, what are we going to eat? What, what's gonna, if mom gets up, everyone starts moving, you know? This is what happens. The entire nation is devastated, and God raises up a woman of God who would love and care for his people as a mother. And basically, she saw God's people, God's children, being treated badly, and she said, enough. And she rose up. Enough of this. She calls Barak and tells him to take 10,000 men to battle and that God promised them victory. God said, I will deliver you. Call this man Barak, tell him to get 10,000 men and take them to battle. This is where I see her name B coming in because she seems sweet to her friends. She seems sweet to Barak. She's sweet about wanting to save God's people. You know, like a bee, honey is sweet, but she is sharp to her enemies. Bees have a stinger. They can make very sweet honey, but they have a stinger that hurts. Anyone ever been, been stung by a bee? I got stung by a bee at, a couple of times. It hurts really bad. She's sweet to her friends and sharp to her enemies. How many of you had moms like that? Have moms like that? Very sweet to you, sweet to your friends, but if someone becomes an enemy of yours, man, she's sharp. She's ready to sting like Muhammad Ali said, Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Carrie, my wife, is like that. She's sweet all the time. She's sweet. You guys know her. She's sweet all the time. But if you mess with Nemo or Gabriel, she will sting you. It's, it's like Deborah, the bee, sweet to her friends, sharp to her enemies. Deborah tells Barak to take the men and go and fight. And Barak says, Deborah, I will go if you go with me. But if you don't go with me, I'm not going. He's, he's not sh so much showing a lack of faith as much as he's showing his faith in Deborah as a leader. He's saying, I know that you know God and you're with God. I'll go into battle, but I need you with me. And so like a good leader, Deborah says, surely I will go with you, but there will be no glory for you in it. God will put King Jabin's general, General Sisera, into the hands of a woman. So there's so many things we can see here. Number one, how many of you are seeing that Deborah is like a real Wonder Woman? She's so powerful, and man, she is commanding, and she has faith, and God says something, and she does it. She's like a real Wonder Woman. Barak, this man that's going to lead the army, has complete faith and confidence in this woman as the leader, has complete confidence that she's hearing from God, and at her word, he's ready to march into battle, even though, as we'll see in a moment, the ones that he's going to face are way uh, better equipped. Their weapons are far better. We'll see that in a moment. But even so, when she says go, he's ready to go. Deborah, like a true leader, when he says, I'll go if you go with me, the next statement it says, and Deborah got up and went with him. She said, surely I'll go. That's what a good leader does. A good leader can't lead from behind. A good leader doesn't tell you, hey, you go, and they're not willing to go. Maybe that's a manager. You know, at work, you might have a manager that tells you to do something he's not willing to do. That's okay, but that's not a leader. A leader is willing to do it, 
A leader is willing to go there. And Deborah said, Barak, take them in. I'll go if you go. Okay, I'll go. She wasn't afraid to lead from the front. And then that statement that she says, in the end, the general of the Canaanites will die at the hands of the woman. Barak, you won't get glory from this. It will be in the hands of a woman. Even that, 12th century BC, that's pretty powerful words to be saying a woman is going to get glory from this. I mean, it makes me think when I'm reading this, I'm picturing Deborah says this statement, surely I'll go with you, but you will receive no glory, Barak. The glory will be in the hands of the woman. And she slips the beats on and she's got Beyonce blasting, (laughs) who runs the world, girls? And she's charging off. Doesn't it seem like, I mean, when you read scripture and you can just see like, she just seems like she's, she's just bad. She's got this attitude ready to go. When General Sisera heard that Barak was leading an army, he gathers all of his chariots, 900 chariots, and not just regular chariots, 900 iron chariots. That's very important because this is the time period in the earth where in this part of the world where the Iron Age began first, it's shifting from the Bronze Age to the Iron Age. So these guys, the Canaanites, they have iron weapons. They have iron chariots. They've developed it to the point to where they can produce enough iron that they can have a fleet of iron chariots. This was terrifying for for God's people. When Deborah's telling them, hey, take 10,000 men, we're going against them, they're basically going up against people with tanks, an army of tanks. You know, when the ages shift, I've asked this all day long. I don't expect any of you to have seen this movie. But Carrie and I and Gabriel went and saw Early Man yesterday. Did it, has anyone seen Early Man? This, I'm serious. I think I'm the only one. In, at the theater, there were six of us in the movie. I think we are the only six people in all of Maidon that have seen it. It's, it's claymation, you know, made out of clay. It's from the people that made Wallace and Gromit. Any Wallace and Gromit fans? I'm the only Wallace. And, okay, three of us. That's why you didn't see it. Early Man is about the, it's, it's make-believe, you know, but it is showing how the cavemen invented football. I figure people would love that. You guys are soccer fans, right? How many soccer fans? See, this is about, it's, it, the whole movie is about the cavemen developing the sport of football. So anyway, but in the movie, it's cavemen, they're in the Stone Age, And this army comes that has bronze weapons, and it terrifies them. You know, these people are coming with, they've got the the mammoth decked out with bronze, and they're coming in with bronze spears, and the cavemen were holding rocks, and they were terrified. This is what this would have been like for the Israelites. They didn't have iron, and here's this army that has a fleet of iron chariots. It also helps us know the time period. But even knowing this, they were willing to go into battle because God was with them. It reminds me of the verse that says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. This is physically what we're going to see is what's true for us physically and spiritually. That it doesn't matter what is coming at you in your life, what situation, what problem, what is coming at you that you're facing that looks like it is too big for you and it might destroy you. It cannot prosper against you. God's promised that. For God's people, you cannot be defeated. 
by the weapons of the enemy. So Barak and Deborah and the 10,000 men were on Mount Tabor. They had the military advantage. You know, being in the mountain, looking down at the valley, that was a good strategy. But they didn't need that strategy. God tells Deborah to send the men down. So she says this to uh, Barak in Judges chapter 4, verse 14. Get up. This is the day that God has given Sisera into your hand. Has God not gone before you? So Barak took the 10,000 men, and by faith in God, through Deborah's words, they went down into the fight. And here's what happened. God caused a storm. Think about this for a moment. Imagine General Sisera. He had to be proud. He's leading this fleet of, of iron chariots. It's like a fleet of tanks. He's riding into battle. He's probably thinking, how dare you come against me? I'm about to wipe everyone out. I, I've got all the artillery. I'm ready to go. Proud and arrogant, coming into battle. God sends a storm and and historically, it says that the valley got so wet from the rain, it was pouring, that it got muddy, and the iron chariots were stuck in the mud. You know, if you have iron chariots, that's really cool. But if they're stuck and they can't move, they're useless. Suddenly, this, this mighty power that was coming against God's people had no power at all. And it says that General Sisera had to run away on foot. That's how anything that comes against you will be. No matter how big it is, when something feels like it's going to crush you, God can take the power out of it. Because where the power is, is in the God that you serve, the God that loves you, the God that is watching over you. It doesn't matter if you see 900 iron chariots coming at you and you feel like, I'm going to be crushed. Maybe it's something in your life that's causing depression or stress or or fear, and God's saying, I will take the power out of that. that. Like Deborah told Barak, has God not gone out before us? He went before them, and God fought the fight for them. God will fight your battles for you. He will, when he promises victory, he will deliver victory. So General Sisera had to run away on foot. Imagine how humiliating. He came in on an iron chariot, and then he's running away as a coward, fleeing, trying to find a place to hide. He runs to this tent where uh, this woman, J.L., lives. Her and her husband, Heber, they were Kenites. They didn't have any problem with King Jabin and the Canaanites. So General Sisera runs there. He feels like he's going to find safety. And this woman, J.L., that's there, she said, Hey, come on into my tent. Nothing to be afraid of. No need to fear. You can come in here. And he's so exhausted from the battle, from running away, he's, he's tired, he's thirsty. He says, will you give me a drink of water? She does even better than that. She gives him some milk, and she lets him lay down. She covers him up with a blanket, and he says, will you stand at the door of the tent, and if anyone comes looking for me, tell them that I'm not here. So he's like, sure, I'll take care of this. And here's where this gets very intense. Fasten your seatbelts. This is intense. Judges chapter 4, verse 21. But Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, took in her hand a tent peg or a tent stake, one that they would like nail the tent down to hold it up, and a hammer, 
And she went softly to him. Okay, let's stop right there for a second. (laughs) If you were ever in your house taking a nap, and you open an eye and look up, and there's a woman walking across the room with a tent peg and a hammer, walking softly. Get out of there. Okay. She took a tent peg and a hammer, and she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple, the side of his head above the ear. And you would think at some point, you know, okay, I got him. You know, maybe once it gets that far. She didn't stop. It says she drove it into his temple, and it went through into the ground. He was fast asleep because he was exhausted, and he died. So she didn't, she made sure. You know, after probably one here, you're like, I got him. She kept going. And then maybe she walked out of the tent, and she said, nailed it. No, I'm just, I just had to say that. I know that's cheesy, but that had to, that had to go right there. Okay, take a moment to breathe. That was intense. What I love about this most is that after this description, the temp peg, the hammer, the softly walking over, nailed to the ground, just so we don't miss it, the Bible gives us these three words, and he died. Just in case there was any doubt, just in case someone read this and they were thinking, oh my gosh, is General Cicero okay? No, and he died. You know, if you were thinking, can he recover? I know he, his head is nailed to the ground, but could they do something? No. And he died. I love those three words there. And then here we see the prophecy fulfilled. This is the woman that Deborah said would receive the glory from the battle, that the general would be put in her hands. When she said, Barak, you won't receive the glory for this. It will be in the hands of a woman. It wasn't even Deborah. It was Jael, this housewife. She was at the tent in the middle of the day. She's, she's just at home. Maybe she's ironing. Maybe she's ironing the tent. You know, I don't know how they keep it. I don't know how the tent was, you know, but maybe fixing. Of course, she had the milk there. Maybe she had been milking some cows or goats, but she's just at home. And then here comes the general delivered right in her hands, and she took care of business. I think after this, you know, when we read the verse, we said, J.L., the wife of Heber the Kenite, probably after this story, Heber was known as Heber, the husband of J.L., because she had done this amazing thing. And after this, it says that uh, God's people destroyed Jabin, the king of the Canaanites, and Israel would have 40 years of peace, thanks to the faith and leadership of Deborah. Think about this for a moment. The entire nation received peace because one woman was willing to rise up. One woman was willing to be available to be used by God. One woman was willing to spend time with God and hear his voice so she could tell the people what God wanted them to do. One person willing to rise up. What does this mean for us? I think there's a lot that we can already see, a lot that you've probably already been encouraged in just by hearing the story. I think many of you are already inspired and feel like I know some things I need to do in my life. I, I, I know some areas where I need to rise up. I believe that there's, there's so many things in this story. Part of it is just expecting God to do the unexpected. Believing that when he promises victory, we will have victory. 
And he has promised victory to every single, every single person that believes in Jesus. Every single one of you that believes in Jesus, victory has been promised. And when God promises victory, we can expect it. No matter how bad it looks on the earth, we can expect we have victory. If we're facing something that seems impossible, we can expect God to do the impossible. When we cry out for help, we can expect him to answer us. Deborah's story shows us that with God, you can expect the unexpected. Here's four quick points I want to close with that will help us to have faith like Deborah and experience the power that she experienced in her life. Number one is be willing to rise up when others don't expect it. You may be in here today and thinking, you know, this is great for someone else, but there's no way this will work in my life. That means you are probably probably the one that God wants to do this with because God likes to use unexpected people. God doesn't always like to pick the one that, wow, this one looks like the one that God can do something with. He picks someone else because he receives more glory. I believe that in my own life. I believe God picked me to do what I do because I was unexpected. I, wasn't, I didn't start out running the race right. I had a lot of problems and sins, a lot of failures in my life to overcome. And God chose me simply because I was available. He chose the unexpected. If you feel like you're in here and, that, oh, there's no chance God can use me, he will if you make yourself available. God wants to use unexpected men and women, men and women who don't allow the world to put limitations on them. Don't let anyone tell you what your limits are. Don't let the world put limitations on you. Something someone has said or something that's happened in your life, Deborah could have given us a list of limitations. A woman in the 12th century B.C. facing an army that had far better weapons. She had any reason to not rise up, but she didn't let anything in her world put limitations on her. She rose up any, anyway, simply because she had faith in God. Don't limit yourself. Don't let other people put limitations on you. Don't limit yourself. The number one way we limit ourselves as Christians is by allowing sin to stay in our life. If we have sin in our life, we can't expect to have the power of God like Deborah had. God will forgive us, and he'll forgive us again, and he'll forgive us again. Every time we repent, if we say, God, forgive me, the answer is always yes, but we will not have the same power in our life, and we will not accomplish the same amazing things as Deborah did if we allow sin to stay in our life. We're limiting ourselves. We have to rise up and say, enough, It's enough to the sin in my life. I want to do something. I want to be a giant of the faith. I want to do great things for God. The second thing, be willing to take risks when God expects it. When God promises something, he expects us to trust him and do it. He gave the people these promises. Deborah, get Barak, get 10,000 men, go and you'll have victory. And he expected them to do it. When God tells us to do something... Don't let fear or doubt keep you from fulfilling your purpose. If God says, go wherever it is, go. If God tells you, speak to this person, go and speak to them. Whatever God says, do it. Be willing to take risks. John Maxwell said, you cannot be God's servant 
and do what he asks only when you feel like it or only when it is safe. It's easy to follow God if we do it just when we feel like it. Oh, I'm not really going to do that today. I'm having a bad day. I'm going to do some other stuff. Tomorrow I'll serve God again. We can't just serve him when we feel like it. What kind of faith is that? We can't just serve him when it's safe or it's comfortable or it's convenient. I'm willing to do this, God, but I'm not willing to do that. If we're not willing to do everything he said, don't do any of it because it's useless. We have to be willing, willing to take risks, willing to be God's servant, even when we don't feel like it. Christine Kane said something that I love. She said, Jesus didn't come to make us safe. That sounds a little shocking at first. Jesus didn't come to make us safe. He came to make us dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Every single one of you in this room, you may wonder, man, I love Jesus. I'm, I'm following him. I still have problems in my life. Jesus didn't come to pull you out of all your problems. He came to make you dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. He came to make you shine in the midst of your problems. So other people can say, wow, they are facing a hard time and they still have faith. They're still moving forward. Man, look at this army. They're facing iron chariots and they're still going down the field ready for battle. Be willing to take risks and, and allow God to make you dangerous to the enemy. Number three, be willing to reach higher when others depend on it. If we want to live like Deborah, we can't be satisfied living like everyone else. If we want to have the, the power and do the amazing things that Deborah did, we have to be willing to reach higher, do more than what's expected. Imagine with her, God didn't tell her to go into the battle. God didn't tell her to lead the army into battle. She was told, tell Barak to go. Barak said, I'm only going if you go. If you don't go, I'm not going. She could have said, well, I did my job. I did my part. <laughs> you know, this goes bad. It's not on me. My hands are clean. I was only supposed to tell you. But she did more than what was expected. She went into battle anyway because she, know she knew people were depending on her. She knew that if she didn't go and she allowed Badrach to fail, even though maybe she wouldn't have been guilty if Badrach failed, they wouldn't have won the battle. They wouldn't have had peace. She would have let her entire nation down. So she did more than what was expected. She, did, she went into battle. She reached higher. We have to reach higher knowing that people are depending on us. As leaders, we have to reach higher so those that we lead will reach higher. We see that in our homes as parents. If we don't reach higher, our children won't reach higher. We have to reach higher. We have to do more than what's expect, expected, not just do what's expected. The Bible even says the things that we do, we should do them as unto the Lord. Everything we do, we're supposed to have in mind, I'm doing this for God. When we think of that, that helps us reach higher. Well, if, if I'm doing it for God, this isn't good enough. I want to do this level. And I want to reach for this because I'm living for God. Imagine what that will do for your witness to the people around you. When you are trying to be the best at every single thing you do. And the fourth and last one is this. Be willing to run harder knowing that God has gone ahead of you. You can rise up, be willing to rise up, be willing to take risks, be willing to reach higher, and then be willing to run harder knowing 
that God has gone ahead of you. God is going to fight your battle for you. In Judges chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, this is the account that I told you earlier. Sisera summoned all his chariots, all 900 chariots of iron, and the entire army that was with him from Harasheth Haguyim to the wadi of Kishon. And Deborah said to Barak, Get up. This is the day that God has given Sisera into your hand. Has God not gone out before you? So Barak went out from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And God threw Sisera and all his chariots and army into confusion before the edge of Barak's sword. And Sisera dismounted from his chariot and fled on foot. But Barak pursued after the chariots and army as far as Harasheth Haguyim. And all of Sisera's army fell to the edge of the sword. No one was left. I believe many of you are facing problems in your life that feel like 900 iron chariots are charging at you. Something big, something that feels like I cannot beat this. I can't overcome this. This is too big for me. How can I face this? You have to trust that God has gone ahead of you. Has not God gone ahead of you? All you have to do is rise up. And just like Deborah said, get up. The Lord has put your enemy in your hands. The Lord has put the power back in your hands. Has not God gone before you? Today is the day that your enemy is placed in your hands. Would you mind standing with me, please? I believe that if you are willing to have faith in God and willing to rise up, that God will take the power away from whatever enemy you face and put it in your hands. You don't have to give control over to any fear or any situation or any sickness or disease or whatever is facing you. Don't give the power up. If you will rise up, today is the day that God places that in your hands. You have the power because your God is watching over you. He is going before you and he is fighting the battle for you. Can we close our eyes, please? One other amazing thing with this story, if you still need more proof of how powerful your God is. Imagine this, the Canaanites were coming. They have the, the iron weapons, the iron chariots. Their main God, Baal, is known as the God of the weather. And God goes down before his people and he defeats them with weather, with a storm. Their God was the God of the storms, but God defeated their enemy with the storm. God will take the power away from whatever you're facing, and he'll put the power in your hands. Father, we just praise you tonight. Lord, I thank you for the encouragement of your word. Lord, I believe that your words tonight have set us free. Lord, I believe your words have inspired some in this room to be willing to rise up, to be willing to reach higher, to seek to be a giant of the faith. Lord, I believe that we are a room full of people that are not going to be satisfied any longer just being mediocre churchgoers. We don't want to live a mediocre life. We want to be like Deborah. We want to be giants of the faith. Would you do this with me? If you want a touch from God, if you need a touch from God, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? If you're here this evening and you're willing to rise up, you're willing to take risks, you're willing to reach higher, 
and you want to run harder, raise your hands so I can pray for you. Father, you see the hands that are raised. And Lord, I'm so humbled and so grateful for my friends that have such courage to raise their hands and say, God, I need you. And Lord, I know that when we are willing to do that, we can expect that you will answer. We don't have to wonder. I wonder if God sees my hand. I wonder if he hears my prayer. I wonder if he's going to answer. We know that we can expect it. Lord, I know you will answer the prayers. Lord, I know that you will give my friends strength. Lord, I know that you will touch their lives. And I believe that even right now, you have brought something into their life that they needed when they came in. Lord, I believe that heavy weights and burdens have been let go. I believe they've taken control back from the enemies they face, knowing that their God is more powerful. Our God is more powerful than anything we face. Lord, I pray your blessings over everyone here. Lord, I pray that we never again put control or put the power back in the hands of the enemies we face, but we hang on to that control knowing that our God goes before us, our God is with us, and our God goes behind us protecting us. We love you, Lord. Bless your people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 